fulfilled many desires and I have provided many things to myself and certainly I may be much wealthier than what I was before, perhaps more powerful than what I was before, maybe more well known than what I was before. Suddenly, there's a lot of progress in myself at a certain level. But as far as the sense of want or lack or inadequacy is concerned, that seems to remain intact. Therefore, Lord Krishna says that the way one is trying to help oneself, which I am trying to help myself, I am trying to become free from the sense of inadequacy by keep on providing whatever my mind asks, by keep on fulfilling various desires, which is how I think that I will be okay. But that does not seem to be the way of lifting myself from the sense of inadequacy. So Lord Krishna says, understand what it is that causes the sense of inadequacy. If, as we said, the self are really limited, it's a different matter. We can do something about it. We can make it perhaps free from limitation. But no, it is not limited. And therefore, this desire on my part to become free from limitation is not a legitimate desire. It is like the desire of the tenth man searching for the tenth man. And that search can never come to a conclusion because the very search presupposes that the tenth man is lost. He has a wrong perception of himself that I am a ninth man. And any amount of search will not change that perception. He can, in the process of search of the tenth man, he can find many things, he can find many treasures also. He, he, could, you know, he can find many things. Thus he can become a wealthy person, he can do all kinds of things can happen to him. But the perception that the tenth man is lost, the perception that I am not the tenth man, can never change, understand this. Regardless of what he does, regardless of what he achieves. But then, the perception that I am not the tenth man, that perception will not change. Because everything seems to confirm that. He is not finding the tenth man, seems to confirm the tenth man is lost. And so also, regardless of what I do with myself, at the level of the body, at the level of mind, the level of wealth, whatever, ego, whatever I do, Still my perception that I am inadequate does not change. And therefore, that samsara of looking upon myself as inadequate, incomplete, wanting, lacking, that remains intact. From one birth to the other. And therefore, what is important is that the perception should change. First change takes place when we expose ourselves to Vedanta. Which says, Tattvamasi, that thou art, you are the limitless that you are searching for. Then, Uddharet, may you lift yourself by yourself, may you make that perception as a basis of your life. Although you are born with a perception that I am incomplete or inadequate, which is presently the basis of my life. The Lord Krishna says, no, that I am an adequate self. Let that become the basis of my life. In that case, all priorities and values will change. When I am a, when I'm a wanting being, then my, I have one set of values. I am always looking out for how to fulfill my wants, one way or the other. When I realize that the wanting being is not my true nature, that is the wrong thing. 
that I see and look upon myself as a wanting, inadequate person, is not reality about myself. And therefore, there's no reason why I should conduct myself as a wanting being. Because if I am wanting me really, then I will always be seeking to be provided for, I'll always be a, I'll always be a consumer, always want things. But as Lord Krishna says, no, you're not a wanting being. But I feel wanting. That feeling does not represent your true nature. And therefore, live a life based on your true nature. Therefore, Lord Krishna says, not the life of consuming, not but a life of contributing, life of yajna, life of offering, life of self-offering, self-sacrifice. A life of values, a life of dharma. So, even following dharma, following values, always requires us to give up ourselves. So, if what Vedanta teaches us becomes a vision of our life, it becomes a basis of our life, then life becomes yoga. It becomes a process of what we call self-growth. May whatever you do become a means of bringing you manifestation, the adequacy which is your nature which is yoga, which is what we are discussing. So, therefore, Uddharet Atmana Atmanam. The way to lift yourself is, as we said, with Viveka Buddhi, by with the help of the discriminating intelligence. Let the intellect think about things based on what Vedanta teaches and let the intellect recognize that yes, what Vedanta says makes sense that I have a natural love for freedom, I have a natural love for happiness, I have a natural love for knowledge, I have a love for, you know, fullness. I never have love for ignorance, I don't love mortality, I don't love ignorance. I love knowledge, I love immortality, I love happiness, I love fullness, that's what I love. And so it makes sense that that should be my nature. So, this is a very, very, very peculiar thing. What I feel about myself is quite contrary to what I am. It is something inexplicable. And therefore, everybody is thrown off. What I find myself to be is quite contrary to what I really am. Like finding that object to be a snake, whereas it happens to be a rope. And so also, thinking that I am a limited being, whereas I happen to be limitless. And so limitedness becomes the basis of my life. I want to to become limitless. That I am unhappy, I want to become happy. And so I am doing things based on this assumption. And so it is not working out. Therefore, with the discriminating intellect, with a thinking mind, with the mind that can understand what the teaching of the scripture says, now, may you have different priorities, different values. <clears throat> As we said, let the life become a process of bringing to manifestation the goodness, the wholeness, which is my nature. <clears throat> and that is how, progressively, I lift myself from the false perception so as we said, any time I do something good, 
Anytime I reach out, anytime I help, anytime I am able to contribute, I feel good about myself. Anytime I, I get my desire fulfilled, then also I feel good, of course. Two ways of feeling good. One is, when my desire is fulfilled, I feel good. Unfortunately, that always keeps me, the desiring person, always alive. But another way of feeling good is when I can offer myself, when I can serve, when I can help, when I can contribute. That also makes me feel good about myself. So that's a true way of feeling good about myself because at that time I'm bringing to manifestation the goodness which is my own nature. <coughs> Uddharet Atmana, this is the only way to lift oneself by oneself. Natmanam avasadet, do not allow yourself to be, to be further plunged into, to be further plunged into the ocean of samsara. Meaning that if you have the wrong priorities and wrong values, if your value remains that I have to become limitless, I have to become happy, I have to become complete. And I depend upon the world to make me happy. If this is a value. As Lord Krishna says, you become, you make the world happy. Happiness is not something to be asked for, something to be given. Love is not something to ask for, it's to be given. Start giving it. So I keep on asking for happiness, always remain a beggar. Start giving happiness, make somebody happy then you discover the happy self that you are. Uddharet atmana atmanam na atmanam avasadet And so says that do not lower yourself. Our Swami interprets this second part, na atmanam avasadet, as you do not look down upon yourself. The another tendency we have is to look down upon myself, blame myself, keep on, you know, so always blaming myself, holding myself responsible for everything and thus always blaming myself, looking low self-esteem, self, you know, lack of self-confidence, this diffidence, so this low self-esteem and I keep on hurting myself. Don't do that. Respect yourself. Respect yourself as you are. I need not necessarily lower myself, I need not necessarily look upon, look down upon myself because I am not somebody else. Unfortunately, a person is always trying to become somebody else. So no, you don't have to be. You, you cannot, you don't have to judge your success because you are equal to somebody. Just be, own up yourself as you are. You are a unique person and therefore, uh, no two persons are going to be identical, therefore respect yourself as you are. And the habit of always blaming oneself, habit of, you see, if anything happens anywhere, I hold myself responsible. Sometimes it happens. If my son does something, I think I must be responsible because I did not raise him properly. Husband does something, I think that because I did this or did not do that. Anything happens anywhere, I am responsible. This sense of guilt is very common. Particularly after the death of a near and dear one, there is 
the people who are close by, very often you see a tremendous sense of guilt. First of all, there is a loss, which is a big pain anyway, because there is a loss of this uh, very close person, which is, a, which is a valid cause for, for sorrow. But then further sorrow is created because I think I killed him. I did not do something. Swami, if I had taken him to that doctor, this would not have happened. If that medication was gone, this would not have happened. If I did not go out the other, this would whatever. In some way or the other, I consider myself as responsible for that. And I blame myself. This is a tendency to blame oneself. And this is how when I blame myself, I dislike myself, I'm just creating ground for becoming miserable. <clears throat> That's how sadness and depression comes. Lord Krishna, don't do that. Don't condemn yourself. Don't uh, blame yourself. Don't look down upon yourself. Respect yourself, whatever you are. You don't have to be somebody else. You don't have to be equal to somebody else. As this, this famous dialogue between a mountain and a squirrel. This mountain says to a squirrel, Hey squirrel, what are you, this little creature? Look at me. I'm so great, so huge. Carrying all these forests and the rivers on my back. What are you doing? Poor squirrel, what can she say? So you're right. I cannot do that. But there's something that I can do which you cannot do. <coughs> what is that? I can break a nut. Can you do that? <laughs> Fine. Squirrel is made for that purpose. Everybody is created for a certain purpose. And nobody can do what somebody else does. Moon cannot do what the sun does, surely. But that way every time the moon looks at the sun and always feels miserable because I'm not as bright as sun. What will you do? What about a poor star? He's not even as bright as the moon. We'll always keep on condemning because he's not as, he's as bright as the moon. What about a little lamp? We'll feel always miserable. But doesn't have to. A lamb does the job of a lamb. And sometimes where the sun and moon and stars are not available, a lamb will live in the home. And therefore, everything is, as our Swamiji says, the creation would have been incomplete without you. Therefore, I'm not saying be proud of yourself. Respect yourself. Respect myself for whatever I am. It is true that I am not as great as somebody else, okay? I am not as smart as somebody else, alright? I am not as bright as somebody else, alright? But this is what I am. And this must be right because that is how God has created me in infinite wisdom. That's how I have been created, so this must be right. And all we can say is that everybody is adequate to gain moksha. Whether you are adequate to become a millionaire, I do not know. But as far as the real goal is concerned, is to be liberated. That's the real goal. And everybody is adequate as far as that is concerned. So in that sense also we can say, Natmanam avasadeit. Do not look down upon yourself. 
do not condemn yourself. <coughs> there is a trend, a tendency in the mind also to condemn oneself, look down upon oneself. Then let us become aware of that. And whenever we find the mind doing that, let us address the mind and tell the mind, don't do this, it's a habit. Atmaiva hyatmana bandhu, atmaiva ripuha atmana, because atma myself can be my friend, my own self can be my enemy. So then question arises, what kind of self, how can one be both? A given thing cannot be both. Self cannot be both enemy and friend, because that enemy is not friend, friend is not enemy, they are mutually exclusive. How can one self be both enemy and friend? Therefore, Lord Krishna explains, what kind of self is a friend and what kind of self is an enemy? So, next verse says, Bandhuratmatmanastasya Yenatmaivatmanajitaha Anatmanastu Shatrutve Vartetatmaiva Shatruvata Bandhu Atma Atmanatasya Yena Atmaiva Atmanajitaha So many Atmas are there in this verse, you know. So, for that self, so, Yena Atmanaeva Atma Jitaha. One who is conquered oneself by oneself. One who is conquered oneself. Which self? In terms of the mind. In terms of the body, sense organs, mind, this complex. So one who has gained a mastery over one's own mind. And therefore, through one's own sense organs. Organs of perception and organs of action. One who has gained a mastery. What is meant by a mastery is that this karyakana sanghata, meaning this body-mind complex, is favorable to me, is pleased with me, and therefore is available to me. Jitatma one, thus, who has conquered. <coughs> One who has conquered his mind. And conquering mind is a process. How do you conquer the mind? What is it because of it the mind is not conquered? The mind that is not conquered acts as my own enemy. When the mind is not in my control, then the mind is in control of what? It is in control of Likes and dislikes, attachment and aversions, it is in control of various impulses. Mind is prone to get angry. Mind is prone to get tempted. Mind is prone to indulge. Mind is prone to be fearful. A mind is prone to hurt. So mind which is prone to do this kind of things. Get angry, become fearful, become defensive, hurt somebody, 
these tendencies are quite contrary to the nature of the self. So this kind of mind is not available to me. It is not in my control. As I say, don't get angry. You know. So this kind of an advice is often given, don't get angry. Unfortunately, I cannot follow this advice because I do not get angry. It is anger that gets me. I don't get angry. And therefore, it is like saying, you know, thieves are not allowed in this house. You can put a sign. If the thief is going to respect their sign, it's well and good. Anger does not respect the sign that you are not allowed. It takes hold of me anyway. So therefore, I find that I am prone to being controlled by my impulses, being controlled by my emotions, and controlled by various moods. You know. So, a person, the, the, the moods keep on coming and changing, and I have no, I have no choice, and no freedom. I just find myself sad. I find myself unhappy. <clears throat> Thus, a mind that is under the influence of these impulses, or what we call the negative tendencies, or which are all reduced to these two raga and dvesha, or attachment and aversion, that mind is not in my control. A mind, that mind is my own enemy. It will just do things that in fact hurt me. That mind will say something which will hurt me. Do something, who is an enemy? An enemy is the one who does things that hurt me. But my mind itself can do. Like this, the dialogue between this tongue and the teeth. So once his teeth were threatening the tongue, come on stupid, be in your place, otherwise it will crush you. So tongue says to the teeth, better behave yourself. Or I'll say one word and you'll be all out. You know. <laughs> so all it needs is one word by the tongue. And the whole thing is gone. <laughs> Saying wrong thing at the wrong time. Doing wrong thing at the wrong time. This is what my... That is what an enemy does. That is exactly what my mind will do. Because I have no control over my emotions. No control over when the anger will come. And therefore, when anger will take over me, and what I will do. Whatever I do out of the spell of anger is going to be unbecoming of me. What do I do out of frustration is going to unbecoming of me? Or out of greed, out of jealousy, out of fear, whatever I do is going to be hurtful to me. It, is, it would not be in keeping with my dignity number one and it will bring in consequences which are hurtful to me. Suppose my boss says something to me, well, I'm supposed to keep quiet? No, that is how the fellow boss is. And after all, my job is very important to me. But if anger takes over me, and then I blurt out something, that's it. You're out. So it is my own mind, in fact, that acted as my enemy. So Lord Krishna means, seems to say that there is no enemy out there really. 
The real enemy is our own mind. Which mind? Mind that is under the control of these impulses. Anātmanasu shatrutve varteda ātmaiva shatruvat anātma jitātmana One who has not conquered the mind, meaning one who has not made the mind free from the impulse of likes and dislikes, varteda shatruvat, that mind itself behaves like a shatru, like an enemy. You know, they used to say, with friends like you, I don't need enemies, you know. So, so this, similarly, with mind like that, I don't need any enemies. And this mind will create enemies everywhere. So, in fact, the enemies also are very often created by me. Or, a superimposed enmity upon somebody. Sometimes we feel that the world is always torturing me, persecuting me. There are, we feel sometimes. Swami, I don't know. People always treat me like that. I try to be kind to them and they, you know how they treat me. Question, how come when we try to do good to somebody, how come they behave like that? The answer is that your intention is good, but how your behavior may not be very good. It's not only intention that should be good, but then the way I come across to other person. My words may be a little rough, my body language, my gestures, and so people have no access to my intention. People have only access to the way I behave, that's all. And that's how they only infer my intention. And so very often I get, I become, I'm misunderstood. Because I do not come across properly. I do not communicate myself properly. <clears throat> so it all ultimately boils down to doing uddharet, lifting myself up by myself. As we spot likes and dislikes, any impulses, let us become aware of that and let us neutralize that there and then. Just as when there is a spot on my cloth, right away I wash it off and if I do not, then after three days it may be difficult to remove it. And if I am not careful, the spots keep on coming and, and ultimately the cloth becomes miserable. So also, if I am not careful, this kind of spots will keep on coming on my mind. Never. What they call Pratipaksha Bhavana. We must have this detergent of Pratipaksha Bhavana. All the time assuming the opposite position. The mind assumes a negative position. I deliberately assume a positive position. Mind comes up with anger. I assume the position of, of compassion, of forgiveness. Mind comes up with jealousy. I, I take the position of opposite of that, congratulating himself. Because mind feels unhappy because somebody is happy. I tell my mind, feel happy because that person is happy. So this is Pratipaksha Bhavana. Thus we have to do this. <coughs> and we have to keep on treating the various impulses that arise in our mind. And we have to do that. Who else will do that? Uddharet atmana atmanam. One should save oneself, lift oneself by oneself. Others can help us. 
by giving us some insight, by giving us some guidance, they can do that. But you can take the horse to water, ultimately it has to drink water, you know. And so also, all the guidance and insight can be given to us. And we should seek help, no doubt about that. And of course, one of the important things in life should be prayer as well, because seek help. Seek help from the teachers, seek help from the wise people, from learned people, from the scriptures, and seek help from Ishwara. By your prayers. That also is a part of the effort. Seeking help also is a part of the effort. And what that prayer does is helps me to be able to, you know, maintain a greater composure. But ultimately, all that help I have to use to help myself. Basically, what is taught is the right priorities right values, which are the result of the right perception about the life, right perception of myself, right perception of my goal, and right perception of the means of achieving that goal. What is the goal? Goal is nothing but owning up myself. What is the means? Getting rid of the obstacles. What are the obstacles? Dislikes and dislikes are obstacles. Ignorance is an obstacle this wrong perception obstacles and therefore let the life become a process of giving up the obstacles. <coughs> the priority is not in acquiring, the priority is in getting rid of things. <coughs> and so Lord Krishna says, One by whom the mind is conquered, the sense organs are conquered. Vedanta calls Shama, and Dhamma, the tranquility of the mind and the control of senses. Which one is done? Because otherwise, they said, this mind becomes my own enemy. Doctors told me, you know, what to eat, what not to eat, what to do, what not, and I wind up doing wrong things because I had good old habits. And therefore, uh, what does not suit my, my stomach, what does not suit my health, I wind up because it's so tempting. Good food is, is before me. All the fried, you know, the deep fried stuff is there. I'm not supposed to touch it because of cholesterol, but it's so tempting. And then my mind makes me eat it. It acts as my enemy. The sweets I'm not supposed to eat, it makes me eat anyway. At that time, is okay. Some, I don't know what happens at that time, so we'll see what happens. I'll take some more insurance. People do that. When Diwali, Diwali comes in India, you know, these all fellows suffering with diabetes, you know, they, they self-medicate themselves. They, 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 you know, change the dose of insulin and things like that. But they enjoy, help, help themselves anyway. They enjoy it anyway. After all, he says, death comes once. Why worry, you know? Whatever. <laughs> but that is what the mind says at that time. So what does the mind say at a given time? It's a vinashakale viparita buddhi. A wrong thought comes at the wrong time. That's it. This is saying that when the devatas want to help you, they don't come with their sticks and help you, they just give the right thought in your mind. When the devatas want to hurt you, they don't they don't hurt you with any 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 weapons. They just put a wrong thought. That's all. At that time the wrong thought comes and makes me do wrong things. So that is what is meant by 
my mind being my own enemy. Therefore, what is meant by controlling mind is understanding the mind, understand the whole process, and not blaming one's myself. Oh, Swami, you have anger, don't worry. Oh, I'm a very jealous person, doesn't matter. What I am does not matter. What I do is important. I need not blame myself for what I am, because it is there out of ignorance. All I need to do is to take the responsibility to do what is required to be done. Otherwise I get further, because I have anger, I get further angry at my anger, and this is, it goes on. <coughs> so, Lord Krishna says, one who has conquered one's mind, conquered all these urges of indulgence, etc., who has conquered his mind and sense organs, to that person, his own self becomes his friend. On the other hand, one who has not done this, this, this requires to be done deliberately. And this will not happen automatically, it has to be initiated. As the Swami says, emotional maturity will not happen automatically, it has to be initiated. And we must have value for emotional maturity. We must have value for a mind which is under our control. We should have value for the mind which is helpful to me, which is my friend, which is pleased with me. And with that, we deliberately work. Make the life a life of Karma Yoga. Follow the values. Understand the mind. And always be always be ready to diffuse the negative emotions with what we call pratipaksha bhavana. So this work has to be constantly done <coughs> in course of time and these things will go after all. We don't have to worry about impurities because they are not, they are not inherent in the mind. Just as the impurity in water is not inherent in, to water, water by nature is pure and therefore impurity has to go. But then we have to filter that one, we do something. And so also don't think that his anger, etc. is my nature. No. We call that person an angry person, but there is no such thing as an angry person. Anger is only incidental. It is due to abhivaka, non-discrimination. Due to non-discernment it is there. All these enemies seem to enter my mind. And with viveka I can get out, get rid of them. Anātmanasu <coughs> satrutve and then, for a person who has done this, this person has conquered his mind. What is the benefit? The next one, verse 7 tells us that. Jitatmanaf prashantasya Paramatma samahitaha Shitoshna Sukha Dukkheshu Tathamana Pamana Yoho Jitatmanah Prashantasya Paramatma Samahitah Jitatmanah The one who has mastered oneself one who has gained master of oneself <clears throat> by getting rid of his enemies, that's all. Understand that the mind by itself 
is always tranquil. It is the nature of the mind. So purity and tranquility is the nature of mind. Impurity, etc., all these impulses is not nature of the mind. Anger, etc., is not inherent to the mind, not nature of the mind. These things have come to us because we allowed them to really take hold of us. Maybe there was a time when anger was necessary. As I was growing up, I was surrounded by people who are my elder people, you know, brothers and sisters and whatever else. And then sometimes they, or the other people in the neighborhood, in the streets, you know. And sometimes they attack you and then you need to scream and you need to... So perhaps screaming, throwing tantrums, becoming angry, all of these are found very useful to protect myself. Or when I wanted attention of my parents or something, then also I threw tantrums. I did those things that, thinking that they are all my friends. So it is possible that inadvertently I have adopted these things, invited these things, thinking that they are all my friends. Now I realize that they are all my enemies. This is what one discovers. When working in the world, they always advise you. You must, you must assert yourself. You must sell yourself. Assert yourself. Push yourself up. Otherwise you never progress. So when you are working in the world, this is what you learn. When you come to Vedanta, you find they are all wrong things. So kind of value that a person was following in the world, sometimes are quite contrary to what they should be. And therefore, inadvertently, unknowingly, or because of living unintelligently, I seem to have acquired this kind of, these impulses. And then they have seemed to have taken root, they have taken, you know, uh, they seem to be ruling my mind at this time. But they say, they have to go because they are not inherent in my mind. They do not belong to me. They are there as long as I entertain them. As long as I treat them well, so long anger will remain. It cannot remain if I do not entertain that. So Jitatmana, one thus, who has conquered oneself, meaning that one has gotten rid of all these enemies. By living life of Karma Yoga, by prayers, by being alert, by teaching of Vedanta, by acquiring knowledge ultimately, by truly knowing oneself, by gaining abidance in oneself. With Karma Yoga, etc., also we can have a relative mastery of the mind. Ultimate mastery will come only when we we abide in this knowledge, recognize that my nature is Brahman. So we say that we should live a life so that progressively our true nature becomes manifest. So here the person, Lord Krishna says, Paramatma Samahitaha. He is Paramatma. Param means limitless. The limitless self which is nature has become manifest. The self that is limitless has become manifest. When Jitatmanaha Prasantasya. When his mind is completely conquered. 
Meaning that the mind has become completely free from all impulses. And therefore, the very natural traits of the mind are now evident. And the said mind by nature is good, is compassionate, is loving. So therefore this love, compassion, all these noble qualities are the true nature of the mind. Even anger also is nothing but distorted love. Whether it is anger or jealousy, all of these are nothing but distorted love only. So love is the true nature of the mind. And then by removing these enemies, which are obstructing the manifestation of my true nature, then this person's true nature becomes evident. <coughs> Effortlessly he is a kind and a compassionate person. Effortlessly he is a loving and good person. Because that is the nature of mind. Paramatma samahitaha. Paramatma, his true self. The self that is limitless becomes evident. Like removing the clouds which are covering the sun, how the sun becomes evident. And so also our true self just becomes evident. It shines in its own glory. Jitatmanaha, for one who has con- completely mastered himself, meaning one who has removed all these negative impulses. Which means that it is a negative impulses such as anger, etc., which were depriving me of the benefit of truly what I am. And when those enemies are gone, then now I enjoy the benefit of truly what I am. So I should really be always a loving person. Always a happy person because that's my nature. But I'm deprived of that nature only because of these enemies, which again are a product of ignorance. And therefore, when all this goes, ignorance also goes. There was a sense of individuality also goes. Prashantasya, never, who is prakashena shantaha, one whose mind is completely tranquil. Understand tranquility also is the nature of mind. Like the water, pool of water is tranquil. We disturb it by throwing pebbles in there and creating those wavelets and so also the mind is tranquil by nature. They say that nothing needs to be done in order to be happy or to be quiet. Something needs to be done to be unhappy. And so we keep throwing some pebbles. I keep telling myself, hey, you are no good. I, you know, I keep blaming myself, keep doing something. And therefore, then the mind, then these, all these wavelets and waves are created. Stop doing that. So when I stop hurting myself, when I stop blaming myself, when there is a complete self-acceptance, when there is a complete comfort with myself, then there is total peace within myself. Because the only reason why there is anxiety or agitation is because I am not comfortable with myself. I am not accepting of myself. Prasantasya, one whose mind is completely tranquil, because of total self-acceptance. Atmaneva, Atmanatushtaha, because he is completely satisfied with himself, by himself. So these are the characters of a wise person. Jitatmanaha, Prashantasya. One whose mind is completely mastered. 
And therefore, the mind enjoys a complete tranquility. On account of which, the true nature of oneself becomes evident. Paramatma samahitaha. The limitless self is now samahita. He is very evident. <coughs> and therefore, he acts as the limitless self that he truly is. <coughs> but then Swamiji, what about uh, all the pebbles that, 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 that the world throws at you? Even if you do not blame yourself, so the world blames you. Because that's how it's going to happen. Because, well, everybody has their own prarabdha. Prarabdha is destiny. And destiny will bring various situations in life. And therefore, nobody is spared of having to face various situations in life. And some of those are described in the second line of this verse, Sitoshna Sukhadukkeshu Tatha Manapamanayo. Sita means cold, Ushna means hot, Sukha means, um, Sukha actually means pleasant, but actually Sukha we should mean as comfortable, Dukha means uncomfortable, Sukha means favorable, Dukha means unfavorable. Tatha mana apamana mana means honor, apamana means dishonor. This situation comes, even a wise person also is not spared. You think that that person will always respect you, but not necessarily. Even Lord Krishna was not spared. He had to go through the situation, mana and apmana. There were some very declared enemies. You know, there was one king, his name was Shishupal, and every day he was reciting thousand names. But thousands of abuses of Lord He was not repeating this Vishnu Sahasana. Every day that fellow was reciting one thousand abuses about Lord Krishna. I don't know, I can't understand how can, but this was how it was. This is uncle comes, I wanted to kill him. So there were many who were, who were very uh, strong enemies of Lord Krishna. Those who not only recognized him as God, but who recognized him, who refused to recognize him, and who were enemical to him. You don't understand. But that means there are these distorted minds who seem to see only faults where in fact there are virtues. So this is the nature of the mind. In Sanskrit it's called Asuya. Guneshu Dosha Darshanam. Where guna, the virtues are there, a person sees dosha, he sees only defects there. But real virtues are there. A person is a real good person. He follows life of dharma. This fellow says, he is a dambi. Swamiji, he just pretends, you know, there is nothing in that. That's what he sees. And therefore, even wise people or great people also will not be spared of, I mean, they will have their own share also of honor, and dishonor, respect and disrespect, success and failure, comfort and discomfort, favor and disfavor. Nobody is spared. The only difference is in how the person responds to this thing, that's all. Whereas an ordinary person, when he's praised or honored, you know, he just 
feels like, you know, he's ecstatic. He thinks he's great. By the same token, when he's dishonored, he becomes miserable. So whereas, in case of an ordinary person, my estimate of myself is determined by the way I am treated. If world treats me favorably, I think that I am great. If world does not treat me favorably, I think I am no good. If I am great, I am elated. No good, I am depressed. In short, I give the capacity to the world to make me happy or unhappy. And if happiness always followed unhappiness, we don't mind that. It's okay. Right now there is a dishonor, that is going to be followed by honor, then okay, I can, but there's no rule such, there's no such rule. <coughs> and for the life is different. As our Swami says, dukkham, 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 sukham. Dukkham, 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 sukham. Usually, therefore, the dukkha or the un, you know, unpleasant part is much more. The chances of my desire not being satisfied are much more than being satisfied because there are many contenders for the same thing. So, generally a person tries to change the things around and he will get rid of those who are insulting him and he will always surround himself with those who are praising him. This is what we do to feel comfortable. But then you start suspecting that people are praising you, you wonder, you know, whether they mean really or what. In the beginning you are happy, but later on you start wondering, every day he praises me, what is this, you know? There's something wrong there. Is he, does he want something from me? Then you start suspecting. Well, internally I don't feel good about myself. So how long somebody can make me feel good? Sometime. And later on the same problem will come. And I will start, you know, suspecting. Or I'll start demanding more. So today you praise a little bit, tomorrow I will learn more and then more. And ultimately I will make it impossible for that person to please me. This wise person, he says, here, Sheetoshna Sukhadakkeshu Tathamana Apamanayoho Paramatma Samahitaha. He remains his loving self, kind self, good self. He remains completely composed and completely accepting of himself, regardless of what the external situation is. Because he truly knows himself in the effort, he does not require somebody else to tell him what he is. Today I require somebody to tell me what I am. But when myself becomes evident, I know that infinite and limitlessness is my nature. That I am whole and then that wholeness or completeness cannot be affected by what happens outer in. Because it's my nature. And therefore, Paramatma Samahitaha. His Paramatma, his limitless self, is very evident. All the very best, which is the nature of mind and self, they are just evident. Like that fountain. Open the cock, then water comes out. Close it, the water is very much there, doesn't come out. And so all the ignorance and all the ego and all this is closing the cock. <clears throat> it's all open. It's all gone. Obstacles are gone. He remains his natural self. <clears throat> Therefore, it is important that we should gain a mastery of ourselves. 
because then our true nature will automatically become evident. Meaning that no effort need to be made to acquire happiness because I discover happiness as my own nature. <coughs> In next two verses also, Lord Krishna continues to describe the wise person who is a yogi and subsequently will tell us what should be done, I mean prescribe, what should a person do. <coughs> okay, we'll continue. Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamevavashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavanta Punaf Punaha Ishvaro Gururatmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Harihi Om Shri Guru Namaha Hari Om.